Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome back to Cinematic Universe. This is part two of our awards show special to end 2017. I'm Joe Cunningham and joining me to help give out the awards to the best of uh, comic book and superhero cinema and TV of 2017 are... Sir Patrick and James Hunt. Wow, my nose is really blocked this time. <laughs> didn't, didn't let you go first that time either. <laughs> It's the contract. It's the contract. Um, okay, uh, so hopefully everyone listening has already listened to part one of our awards special. Uh, if you haven't, go back and listen to that. We've already given out uh, a bunch of awards, but we've got a lot of our big ones still left. Um, and I, I think I think we should probably dive straight in with I think what's fast becoming maybe our favourite award. This is the Howard T Duck Award <laughs> for best bad movie. Uh, so we retrospect, we didn't have this out in the first year, but it was so obvious that the winner was Howard the Duck that we named the award after it. Um, so Howard the Duck was the first winner of this. And last year we gave it to the Thomas Jane Punisher, which we kind of all agreed, not a good movie, but oh, we loved, enjoyed I the that hell movie. out of watching it. I think even more so than Howard the Duck, I feel like that movie is is our mascot movie. It didn't have <laughs> Leah Thompson in it though, I don't remember. <laughs> No. So maybe I still prefer Howard the Duck, and it didn't have Hunger City, which I now own on vinyl. You guys, the Howard the Duck soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to it on vinyl when I'm getting ready to go out. It's fantastic. <laughs> anyway, so um, first of all, we uh, we need to address something. So two films narrowly missed out in this category. One was Sin City. The other one was Iron Man Three, which was nominated by James. James, can you explain <laughs> what the just hell so was you going on here? Make a point relating to Den of Geek. I mean, I'm satirizing the fact that people think Iron Man Three is a bad movie. Okay. And I well, found like well, nothing. I found like there wasn't anything else that fit the category of good bad movie. Okay. Right. Well, we've got five nominees. Uh, those nominees are, I think, surprisingly, but uh, maybe Tank Girl, uh, Fantastic Four. Justice League, Sky High, and Valerian. I think just to to address what you say about Tank Girl, I mean, I don't think you can objectively say that it's a good movie. But I don't um, think you can it's say it's not a bad very one coherent. either. It's an enjoyable movie, but I think if we're talking in terms of, like, I I wouldn't put it as being a million miles away from the Thomas Jane Punisher in terms of how it actually is as a movie that you would objectively judge but 
it's a mo- it's a cult movie that people love and there are lots of good reasons why people love it um it's not my pick for this award though but um um james do you have something that's sorry wait a minute my mouth is still half full of mince pie i'm really getting <laughs> it's I'm really getting I'm really getting the festive spirit. I'm not going to cut that out. I'm sorry, listeners. It's disgusting, but... Your festive that's spirit it. is having a mince pie. I'm on my third beer. That's my tradition. For I'm, yeah, I'm, and I've got a cold. For the Christmas episode. <laughs> yeah, James has got a cold. Seb's got a bit. I've got a, um, I've got a grapefruit pale ale and a mince pie, so I'm, I'm enjoying a kind of hipster Christmas. Um, so, James, do you have an award, uh, a nominee here that stands out for you as being an, a movie that's enjoyable, but a bit crap? It's got to be Valerian. Yeah, I'd because say, like, right. there's, there's so much like imagination and ambition in Valerian, and just the fact that they got it made and spent so much money on something that had no chance of making it back. Like Valerian was never going to make f- the four hundred million it needed to. It just it was not it was not that kind of movie from the concept up, and yet Luke Besson still made it as his passion project. Like, as you know, the movie that Star Wars ripped off, or sorry, the property that Star Wars ripped off. Like, he wanted to prove so badly that it was worth mining for a movie, and he did the exact opposite. And I think but we're never going to see a film like Valerian again. Here's my question, because here's a, on the first, this is the one that snuck in, because on the first round, Seb hasn't seen Valerian. And the question I was asking myself is is it a bad movie? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, I loved it's, it, but some, but I know a lot of people would argue that it is horrendous. But I can't think even the people who hate Valerian can't have gone to it and been bored. There is, there is something inherently entertaining about that movie. I mean, it's a movie where Dane DeHaan gets transported around for part of the film <laughs> inside the gelatinous alien body of a alien pleasure species played by rihanna <laughs> cara delavine sticks her head inside an octopus for a minute <laughs> just all the stuff with the planet of the like pearl people as well like yeah. i was watching that going like what the hell am i seeing like i think if anything like valeria's problem is that it's too unlike anything else like it's so out there that people just can't get a grip on it so seb you're you're obviously not going to be arguing the case with Valerian because you haven't seen it. So I mean, if that's James's choice, and I I see the perspective there certainly. I'm interested because there's another film in this list that I'm looking at and going, hmm, maybe. So I'm interested in what your shout is here, and if it and if it can sway me from siding with James on Valerian. Uh, Fantastic Four. Yeah, that's the one. That is the one. <laughs> Cause because Justice League, Justice League isn't fun enough. I think we've we've addressed Tank Girl and, and Sky I, I, High. I, I, I don't think Sky High is bad enough to count for this. To be honest, it's not bad enough, and it's not. It, it it's also it's a it's a little bit. I I don't think we'll. I I forgot to say this on the episode. I I was five minutes into Sky High and went, oh yeah, I've seen this before, but I'd forgotten that I'd seen it, and I think that <laughs> I think that kind of speaks to that movie. Quite I, a bit. I, I You're think never going to forget High... you've seen Howard the Duck. <laughs> Oh, Sky High succeeds not. at what it sets out to do too much to be considered a bad movie, I think. But anyway, okay, we've so... literally just talked about it. But no, Fantastic it... Four. Um, because Fantastic Four, like Howard the Duck, uh, is renowned as a bad comic book movie. 
Um, it's a much better movie than Howard the Duck, quite frankly. Um, it's a movie that has massive problems. It's a movie that mostly falls apart in its second half. It's a movie that has a terrible villain. But it's a movie that I enjoyed. And, you know, you only have to go back to that episode. I'm not going to repeat all the stuff we said about, about why we enjoyed it. But it's got at least two great, engaging, likeable performances in it. It's got, honestly, one of the best pure interpretations of a famous superhero character we've ever seen. Like, Chiklis's thing has stepped off the page more closely than almost any other character you could care to name. Um, and certainly for that for that first half hour or so when it just breezes by, it's just I found it really enjoyable. It's not a great film, um, and as you know, I think there are ways in which you can say it's an objectively bad film. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I really it. think there are. I think there are ways that you can say it's an objectively bad film. Um, I, I mean, its villain is terrible. <laughs> uh, some of its action sequences are awful. The script um, is not good. <laughs> yeah, it good. is. As we mentioned at the time, it veers into carry-on territory at times. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'll be damned if I don't enjoy watching it. You know, <laughs> like I That's, and and I think more than anything else, I think probably. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen it, but from what you've said about it, um, Valerian is almost certainly a better film than it. Um, Tank Girl, again, in terms of competence, I don't know if Tank Girl is a better film than it. I think Tank Girl is a much, a much more worthy of praise film than it for what well, Tank Girl we we agreed at the end and, that and Tank Girl was at. at least ambitious yeah um mm. but i i think Fantastic 4 best fits the criteria of this award and the spirit of this award i should say uh, as we've established it up to this point i think Fantastic 4 sits alongside Howard the Duck and the Punisher as a film that's got a dreadful reputation but that we had fun watching and talking about yeah, I mean, if we can agree that Valerian is too good to be considered a bad film in the same way that, like, for me, Valerian sits alongside stuff like Pacific Rim and Jupiter Ascending, where people went, like, people were just so baffled by them that they said they were bad. Whereas Jupiter I mean, Ascending, if, if I Valerian's half as good as Lucy, then, you know, I can, <laughs> I can imagine that it's a much better film is... than the other ones that we're talking about. I mean, it's it's a very different film to Lucy. <laughs> It is an insult to Valerian to put it on the same tier as Pacific Rim. It is. It is much. For, Do you for me, not like is, Pacific Joe, Rim? I, no, I think Pacific Rim is fine, but it's not. It's not interesting like Jupiter Ascending oh, and Valerian are. I'm definitely right about this. <laughs> um, but that's. It's not. It's not what we're considering. Yeah, I think Valerian <laughs> is. It's a little bit too good. Yeah. It's a little bit too good to, for this I'm happy to disqualify award. it for being too good. Yeah, so what we're, what we're going to do is we're going to hand this award, the Howard T. Duck Award, this year goes to Fantastic Four, and I think richly deserved. Um, we'll move <laughs> on now to Best Supporting Actress, another one of our big categories. Um, and a, a really interesting one. Um, no Cat uh, Dennings this year. <laughs> no, no, you didn't, you didn't get a chance. I, I think... I think on one of our early episodes, I said that I was convinced she was going to show up in, in Ragnarok. <laughs> I mean, I, I follow her activity very closely, and I was quite clear she was not going to be in Ragnarok. <laughs> Is that another Instagram follow? <laughs> 100%. Do you, do you know her address, James? <laughs> 
Okay, uh, so Best Supporting Actress. Last year was won by Tilda Swinton for Doctor Strange. The year before was won by Chloe Moretz for Kick-Ass. Um, and a, a, another interesting lineup. We we say it's this is normally a stronger category than Best Actress because there aren't many leading roles for women in superhero movies. There's a, a couple more this year, thankfully. Um, but there tends to be, you know, at least one solid supporting role for a woman in each in each superhero movie. Um, and this year, our nominees are Naomi Watts for Tank Girl, Scarlett Johansson for The Avengers, um, Olivia Philby for Dread, Robin Wright for Wonder Woman, and Aubrey Plaza for Legion. Uh, oh, so, just mis- so just missing out are Rosario Dawson for Lego Batman, Lena Headey for Dread, Rebecca Hall for Iron Man 3, Kate Blanchett for uh, Flora Ragnarok, Daphne Keane for Logan, and Kobe Smulders for the Hang Avengers. Hang on. So how did Aubrey Plaza get in if only you nominated her? Because obviously James did and I on didn't the sec- either. On the second round of nominations, she got more points in her votes than, mm. uh, than the others did. So does that mean that neither of you nominated uh, Kate Blanchett? No, I, I didn't. I put her for best lead actress, uh, I think. Hang on, did you say is Rebecca Hall in this, or did she miss yeah. out? Oh, no, she, she 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 no she missed out on the I nominations. Mean, just I want but to point again, out, uh, Iron Man no... Three is Rebecca Hall's second best comic book performance because Professor Marston and the Wonder Women was this year, and she is incredible in it. Yeah, we should have counted <laughs> that because we did do an episode on it. I mean, it was, it was you neither of you guys have seen it, so I didn't put have, no, it. I'm planning to watch it over <laughs> Christmas actually if I can get hold. She's of it. fantastic in it. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm definitely really looking forward to seeing that so so yeah the nominees basically what happened was we all like two of us each nominated Naomi Watts, Scarlett Johansson, Olivia Philby, Robin Wright and Aubrey Plaza and then Aubrey Plaza was my top pick in the second round and I think you also ranked as Seb so that's how she got in higher than anyone else I mean I, I was I was trying I, I would let's, let's definitely... assume the process is correct it is. I, I'm very above board. Yeah, no, with this. no. That's what I'm saying. Like, let's let's move on to discussing yes. the actual nominations. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's talk about Aubrey Plaza. She's in there for me because she was a bit of a revelation in Legion. I've always liked Aubrey Plaza, but I've not always been convinced that she's a good actress. And I wasn't convinced at the start of Legion, but by the time it had finished, I was... I was going to say, bearing in mind... Completely enraptured. Bearing in mind that I only watched the first episode of Legion, she was comfortably the worst thing in it. And every second she was on screen was like knives in my face. She... I absolutely uh, loathed that performance, like every second of it. When she gets into... When she gets to play the villain, which she does in the back half of the season, she is on fire and i i yeah i i would agree with you at the start james i i just didn't get it but yeah towards the end great i'd mention her because i think she has no chance of winning um <laughs> the the rest of the nominees are are really strong and so i i i wonder if someone wants to pull out either either someone to disqualify or someone to praise just to get the ball rolling a little bit because I'm struggling look at, looking at these nominees to separate them. Uh, I mean, as much as much as I love... Can we, can we run through who's actually nominated again? <laughs> Naomi Watts for Tank Girl, Scarlett Johansson for The Avengers, Olivia Thirlby for Dread, and Robin Wright for Wonder Woman. See, as much as I love Naomi Watts, I think in Tank Girl, 
you know, Jet Girl could yeah. be played by anyone. Like she's yeah, not as iconic as Tank Girl. You you look at Naomi Watts's career and yeah. I, it might be her worst performance, you know? Oh <laughs> yeah, no, Buck of Henry. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like uh, I love Jet so- Girl, but she's not the best of those five. Similarly, I really like her and I think she would have had a better chance if we'd have shoehorned her into best actress, but Olivia Thelby for me is not which she could have she there, Well again, was... I, I nominated Olivia Thelby for Best Actress, and if we were talking about Best Actress, I, I'd be arguing the case for her. I don't know why she's in Best Supporting Actress here, because uh Anderson is the lead character in that film. Yeah. yeah. I mean there's, Even there's though it's named after made. Dread, Anderson is the lead character. Yeah, fair point. Having said that, I think she I think she still has a better chance of winning in this category than she would have had in lead. Because I, I actually we'll, nominated we'll Le- um, Lena Headey from this film rather than <laughs> Olivia Thirlby in supporting. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it was both me, both James and I nominated her here. I think you might be right, Seb, <laughs> but it's too late in the process. And uh, yeah, she she's the one that I, I do really like her, but she's not... I don't know. Again, I, I, don't, it's, I it's, don't feel like she's iconic. Yeah. Like... It's what's it's what James said earlier. I I find it very difficult to get like excited and passionate about dread, in the same way that I I do about Scarlett Johansson in the Avengers or Robin Wright in Wonder Woman, both of which I think are iconic performances. I think Scarlett Johansson in the Avengers, she's been in how many Marvel movies now? Five, six. <laughs> Civil uh, War, I, two Avengers, Iron Man two. The only Winter thing Soldier. that comes, the only thing that comes close, I think, is Winter Soldier in terms of her performance. Well, but... this is the thing. Like, I think she's better in Winter Soldier than Avengers. Really, I I think I prefer Avengers, but it, but by a by a hair. I mean, that, that opening good, scene. I mean, her. I mean, so her opening scene, receiving the phone call, is awesome. Yeah. And I mean, Seb, you talk about I'm loving assuming. Lucy. Mm. That's the that's the scene that introduces. Scarlett Johansson as a proper like action movie heroine and the scene that comes afterwards where she recruits Banner is and you've got the scene fantastic. with Loki you've got the scene with Loki you've got the scene where she's cowering from the Hulk which I think is another kind of like a, a, a shade that you don't often get to see in those kind of movies um, I think she's I think she's really great I think she's really really great and in, certainly in, ter- in terms of screen time, she's got an advantage over Robin Wright, who kind of has to make all of that impact in the first 10, 15 minutes of the movie. I mean, I, I, I actually jointly nominated Robin Wright for Wonder Woman and Unbreakable. But then uh, she's only in Unbreakable for about two minutes. And I think Unbreakable drags her down because they give her <laughs> literally nothing to do. Yeah. Nothing to do. Oh, do we want to nominate her for maybe being a speck in the background of Justice League? Apparently, <laughs> she's she's credited for it anyway. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I I'm leaning towards Scarlett Johansson, guys. Did Gwyneth Paltrow not make it? Uh, different category. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, assuming like for me, the choice was ScarJo or Gwyneth Paltrow, and if she's not in it, then ScarJo. Have we we have we managed to get through three years and not given Scarlett Johansson an acting award yet? Despite the fact that as well as all the Marvel films we've had, Ghost World. I was going to say who who won last year? Uh, Tilda Swinton for Doctor Strange. Of course, yeah. 
Yeah, which, as I said, I recently rewatched, and yeah, we were right. We, we were right. <laughs> I think. I think. Let's face it. Right. In Avengers, she is a supporting role rather than a lead. Yeah, um, we cannot. We, there's no. The there's no. There's um, no confusion there. She's a, a supporting character. Avengers is the film more than any other, with the possible exception of Winter Soldier, where you watch it and go, "Why has there not been a Black Widow movie yet?" So yeah, fair. Yeah, I think. I think dot the eyes, the cross prob- the, T's, the problem I had with Scarlett a lot of Hansen. these awards, maybe because of the way we did the film in the end, <laughs> with the circumstances of our recording, <laughs> um, I I kind of kept forgetting that we'd done Avengers, and so a lot of Avengers ones didn't leap to mind. We did it. Um, we did it twice, Seb. I know, <laughs> but it was a long night. <laughs> oh, it was it was a great night. We got um, to watch the Avengers and then talk about it for two hours twice. Six hours of <laughs> Avengers. It, honestly, it's like crack to me. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think it's fair. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, so Scarlett Johansson is our best supporting actress winner this year. Uh, we'll move on now to another one of those technical awards: best screenplay, which was won last year by Ghost World. Hooray! And the year before was won by Kickass. Uh, and I seem to remember you guys made the argument there that it was the one script that the, uh, the movie source material. yeah improved on the so- source material. So. Um, Interesting here because I'm not sure any of our nominees are based on uh, on pre-existing source material. Just missing out: Thor Ragnarok, Superman Two, X Two, and Logan. The nominees were Iron Man Three, The Avengers, Wonder Woman, The Incredibles, and Unbreakable. And what a, what an eclectic mix I think we got there with Unbreakable and Incredibles being non non-superhero stuff then we've got our big ensemble and two character pieces i've got to say you will have to you, kill I mean, me you openly laughed at unbreakable james <laughs> i mean it, like what's the script like everyone is silent for 90 percent of the film <laughs> <laughs> james any movie nerd out there right now is shaking <laughs> their fist at you and going you idiot hole. it's easy to write silence <laughs> it's hard to write is it? dialogue. Yeah, is it? You're the kind of person who'd say the artist didn't deserve a best screenplay. No, no, no absolutely not. Like, <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not that dickhead. But you know, given the genre we're working in and the, mm. you know, the framework we're working in, it's easy to be slow and plodding and claim that's art. Uh, I, I mean, I disagree, but I also think Unbreakable. Uh, M. Knight maybe has a different category where he's got a better shot than this, personally. We'll have to see what happens when we get there. So I, I'm happy to kind of say, yeah, okay, that's that's not our winner. Um, I, think, I think this is between two. Um, go for it. Go for it, Seb. I think the Avengers, for having to deal with that many different characters and pull everything together and for Joss Whedon to be writing it with all of these distinct characters and for them not to just all sound like Joss Whedon characters all the time, <laughs> although mm. some of the time they do. Uh, I think I think just, I just think it's more as an achievement, the Avengers screenplay, what it I manages mean, to achieve while, given what just it had quickly, to do. While we're talking about the Avengers, I think that there is no better version of the Avengers. Like, that movie is as good as it could possibly have been. Yeah, I mean, you talk about improving on the source source material, but 
yeah, there, there's no Avengers comic that is as good as the Avengers movie. Well, I mean, there's no Avengers movie that is better than the Avengers either. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. part of its problem. Like We talked about it, just something as simple as nailing a character entirely in a moment, in a line, as that's my secret cap, you know? That's <laughs> the, that is just... Like every... a, char- a character who has been d- attempted on screen numerous times and it's not clicked. And in that one moment you go, yeah, that's how you do this character on the big screen. And around him, you've got characters who've been written well before, but are kind of elevated even more with Whedon's dialogue. I mean, Joss Whedon getting to write for Tony Stark is just, you know, mm. a godsend, isn't it? Yeah, and I literally every time I watch Avengers, I feel like I pick out a new sort of nuance or thread that has been put in there and like links up with another moment. Like the first time I watched it, I remember thinking, "Oh, Hawkeye and Black Widow didn't have much to do." And the second time I watched it, I was like, "Oh, actually, those two characters have an entire arc going on in the background that is like fed in and out, like oh, woven through just a yeah. couple of lines here and there, and it turns into an entire story." And every time I watch it, I feel like I get something new out of it. Okay, so James, I'm going to give you an existential crisis. Well, here's the thing. That said... <laughs> that said... Yeah. Iron Man 3... Iron Man 3. Like, Iron Man 3 is probably my favourite action movie script ever. Because it's so much fun all the way through. And it's got such clear themes and characters. Like, there's not a bad line in the entire film. And all it does is take all these tropes and undercut them in a way that is irreverent and intelligent. And, like, no... I can think of no movie that has surprised me like the Mandarin twist did and yet worked yeah. so well. Like, that, that is the kind of thing I live for, which is to be Do you know, delighted in that way. I'm sure we said this when we covered the film, but it's not that... It's not that common for a big twist like that to lose its impact as soon as you've seen it once and obviously it loses the impact of the the shock factor but even when you know what's coming that is the best scene in the film because Mm -hmm. of how funny it is (laughs) and it's just yeah i I, as much as i think the avengers screenplay is a staggering achievement and in any other year it probably would be the winner how can you give it to anything other than iron man 3 I mean, I'll, screenplay I'll, is just a masterpiece. I'll make the case that you know that I'm destined to lose. I I think the Avengers feels like a cleaner story, start to finish. I think, especially after the Mandarin reveal in Iron Man three, uh, I don't think I don't think Killian ever clicks as a, a as a believable central villain. And I think, especially knowing what we know about the film now, and we discussed this on the podcast, that you can see some of the joins. You can see kind of where the film was yeah, heading, mean, in, heading in another direction. Yeah, there, there's an even better backtrack. screenplay where my... I was yeah, going to say, I can, whereas, I can agree on that level, but I there's also There's not think... a better Avengers... There's not a better screenplay for the Avengers. And the Avengers feels like it is very definite about what it sets out to do. And it does all of it. I, I, I maybe the problem. The problem for I me mean, is I, that there's nothing about yeah. the Avengers which surprised me, like it was everything it needed to be, but not more. And I don't think it could have been more. 
Like that's that's kind uh, of the problem. No, I just think it's because the it, best it's possible like version of all of that. And like, if you change a part of the Avengers, it doesn't get any better. It just gets worse. Whereas Iron Man three like matches my own personal idiosyncrasies much better. So I love it more, yeah. and I'm more we just like, have, surprised by it. We have different criteria because even as you're explaining that, I'm going, yeah, you're explaining to me why the Avengers has a better screenplay. But in your <laughs> but in your explanation, that's not what that means. Yeah. <laughs> can I can can I make an argument based on logistics? Um, there's another big award, the biggest award, you might say, that I think that uh, <laughs> these two films are probably both going to be nominated for, and I think I think. One of them should probably win one, and one of them should probably okay, win the I other. Think, yeah, and I, I think, think you're in, right. in that case, then the argument is much stronger for Avengers to win the other one than, than yeah. to win this one. <laughs> and by which you mean Avengers should win this one. Because on paper, Avengers is better. I know, I think the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you can give this award to whichever film you want. I'm guaranteeing nothing later on. We're going to argue all over again. I mean, it sounds like the two of you prefer Iron Man 3 to Avengers. I don't, but I'm willing, I, I can understand. I think you're outvoted. When I started saying it was between two, um, I felt that it was more evenly matched than it's ended up being as we've talked through it. Because yeah. I think I think more of what makes Iron Man 3... I mean, there's so much that makes Iron Man 3 great, but I think it owes more to the screenplay. Than Avengers does. It is fine. You've you've already won, Seb. <laughs> you've already won. It's, it's, it's like Brexit again. Okay, uh, let's move on now. Uh, speak speaking of Brexit, to best villain. Um, <laughs> in previous years, this has been won by Kingpin from Daredevil season one and Doc Ock from Spider Man two. So um, a fantastic category. Um, I think we're going to be talking about Iron Man three again here. <laughs> Um, I think no, um, I don't know. I, 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 th- I think Steppenwolf is a really good bet for this one, <laughs> or maybe Ares. I don't know. Well, just missing out here was Ego from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, Vulture from Spider-Man: Homecoming, which was Vulture was the one that was the narrowest miss. Uh, I think this category might be our strongest all night. Uh, Shadow King from Legion missed out, and Hela from Thor Ragnarok. So uh, the nominees are uh, Striker from X Two. General Zod from Superman 2, Loki from The Avengers, Mr. Glass from Unbreakable, and Trevor Slattery from Iron Man 3. Um, well, we've got we, we've, we've just been talking about Iron Man 3 and we've been talking about how great the Slattery reveal is. We've already given Tom Hiddleston an award for Best Supporting Actor for the role that, you know, that Loki's nominated for here. Um... We've barely spoken about it throughout the podcast, but Striker in X2. I mean, X2, I think for me, didn't quite live up to my memory of it when we revisited it on the podcast. Um, but Brian Cox's Striker did. He is a terrifying villain, and I don't think there are many villains like him in superhero cinema. And, you know, I haven't even mentioned, it's probably one of the most iconic lines from all of, from all of comic book movies ever. Neil before Zod. Are we going to kneel before Zod, you guys? Or is there someone else we should be kneeling in front of? Loki wanted us to kneel as well. <laughs> this is a tough category, isn't it? It's, weird. it's I, really I, tough. I didn't actually nominate Zod. Um, and I think I think my perception has been harmed, firstly, by Zod in Man of Steel. And secondly, <laughs> by, you know, 
when we did Superman 2, I did find myself dwelling more on the problems than um, the positives. And actually, But the problems aren't Zod, Zod are they? Yeah, no, Zod is, is not the problem with that film. Zod, Zod is one of the biggest positives. And actually, now that I think about it, I really should have nominated him because actually I think he's a really strong contender. This is like I me think... forgetting to nominate <laughs> Trevor Slattery. I was thinking, <laughs> yeah, I did nominate Trevor Slattery. I think we have to discount Trevor Slattery because he's not. I really think that's the point. He's not a villain. Slattery. He's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's great, and I'm glad. I'm glad that because I forgot to mention him because I didn't really consider him as a villain in my head. Yes. Yeah, no. Wait, so, so hang on. So be, I'm be, glad. I'm be, glad we nominated him. I'm glad he got in there. I think he's. You know, he's the one that we kind of nominated. Knowing he'd, he'd, be, he'd be happy that we nominated him. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I think you know. His Leo was the toast of Camden and probably received a nomination <laughs> Croydon, as well. Gosh, shit. Uh, <laughs> um, so, sorry, I may have missed when you were running through. Is the Vulture in there? No, Vulture was the one who just missed oh, out. Vulture just too. missed out. Oh, okay, so if Vulture missed out, then that makes it more interesting because Vulture would have been the one that would have given me the most pause for thought. I'm surprised that he didn't make it in, but I guess it's to do with execution. It's as, just a, and the, too as good the vulture category. rather than as Adrian Toomes. If you're talking just about Adrian Toomes as the villain, um, then maybe. Um, in which case, I I do think it's down to Loki or Zod. Um, what, about, what about Mr. Glass though? Why would we not we didn't even mention Mr. Glass? Mr. Glass I mean, I, I I nominated Mr. Glass. Um, Don't even realise he's but, a villain until quite late in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I I. Yeah, I kind of want to come back to Zod because I now just think about just how enjoyable, just how much fun Terence Stamp is mm. having, how he is just, even more so than Loki, he is just pure, straight-down-the-line villainy. Um, well, that's why I like Loki, though, is that he is a relatable villain. Like, he's not just evil for the sake of being oh, evil. It's like, the Marvel versus DC he's thing got re- He's got his reasons, <laughs> and they're relatively good reasons for being Do a you know dick. what, though? Those reasons. I know. See, in Avengers, in terms I, of just, mm. in terms of just the film we're looking at, all the, it's brilliant how it works in the MCU that we go to the Avengers with all of that context for Loki, but just in the Avengers, yeah. he's just a cock. You know, like <laughs> we don't, we don't, we don't get all of, we don't get the nuance of Loki in that film. I think Hiddleston's fantastic, and I think he brings it in his performance. And if you know it's there, you see it. But if you just walked into the Avengers, I don't think you walk away with all the weight of that. I mean, as a villain, he does... It's easy to forget, he kills bloody Phil Coulson, doesn't he? And it's easy mm. to forget because he keeps going back, but he does kill Coulson. Having said that, I, I, yeah, I just keep coming back to those three words, Neil before Zod. And I think I think I have to. I, I think, you know, and he, he's, su- he's such a threat. <laughs> you know, he is a, he is a proper full-on um you know he's he is a kind of a force to be reckoned with as as a villain he's someone who superman pretty much can't actually beat in a straight fight um that's why he has to cheat to win <laughs> <laughs> and what i just keep coming back to is how he is with people around him um you know it's like you know oh there's there's one man who won't kneel before you who is this imbecile? Where is he? It's just, it's just his withering contempt for everybody yeah. around him. Um, the thing why, is, though, why, this why kind did of I forget to nominate General Zod. This He's sort of invalidates. Doesn't this invalidate your <laughs> argument about Superman, which is that like the way to beat Superman isn't to be stronger than him or smarter than him? Like Zod is all those things. 
I, that's, that's not my argument against about Superman. <laughs> I mean, well, isn't the thing that like Lex Luthor is the best villain because Superman can't just because he's punch because him. he outsmarts him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but you know, we're we're not talking about Zod in comparison to other Superman villains. We're talking about <laughs> Zod in comparison to Marvel villains. Fair. I mean, and, for me, anyway, like for me, if we're agreeing that Loki doesn't have the actually, nuance in Avengers, like. It's Zod or Striker, and I don't think Striker's going to win it. So. I, I I would actually like, now that you've said that, to make this argument as an argument specifically about the films and about the film's execution. Because General Zod is not an interesting villain in the comics, and never has <laughs> no, been. And the comics true. have tried to replicate him from the films ever since that film. Um, what makes Zod interesting is not so much, even though I did just talk about him as a, as a threat, as a physical threat, but really, you know, Zod is just an evil version of Superman. He's just a bloke who has Superman's powers and just has the complete opposite ethos to him. Yeah. And that's why in the comics he's never really been that interesting. What makes Zod a great screen villain is the execution in the film. Yeah. That I mean, ridiculous I'm... costume and Terence Stamp's performance <laughs> and like the way I say, that he's written. I, like, I am there with you, to be honest. Like, it's, <laughs> you know, the only competition here is Striker or Zod and... I don't think like people aren't still talking about General Striker. Like you have to really mm. remind people that he was in that film. Yeah, it, it's one of those. Well, I, and not so much remind them that he's in the film. I think, but just remind people that like, you know, if you go back and watch X Two, it's got a really great villain at the center of it. I mean, they keep trying to rekindle that Striker magic, and it, it's <laughs> yeah, they put they, him in Wolverine Origins. Yeah, and 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 he's and what, Days of Future Past, Apo- Days of Future Past, and Apocalypse. Yeah, he's had he's three just... different actors playing him at Oof. different ages. Oof. Yeah, and and he and he he doesn't work outside of that one single story. And again, that's a character that they've completely reimagined, isn't it? I mean, you you recommend? Yeah, well, he's a he's Reverend Striker in the comics, not Colonel Striker. Yeah, um, I yeah, he, he's fantastic. I mean, this category is stacked. Personally, I, I am it... a bigger fan of Brian Cox's science documentaries than his X-Men villainy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's all about the keyboard playing for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, well then, our winner is General Zod from Superman 2. General Neil Zod. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, okay, uh, we'll have our second musical category now. And this, um, we've we've kind of introduced a new category here due to stuff not really fitting in where we wanted to because we're talking about best original song we've done like original songs every year but there's never that many of them and some of these like we don't have like best music in general we don't have a best you know best score kind of is normally pretty separate so i thought let's let's create a best musical moment and we don't just have five nominees here i'm just gonna throw out all of the ones that we were talking about and see if one of them stands out. Um, we have the Bolero sequence from Legion, which isn't going to win, but I need I wanted to talk about that again. It's amazing. Uh, the moment that the Wonder Woman kicks in, theme kicks in for the first time as she's walking out into No Man's Land in Wonder Woman. Um, we have um, well, like, I'm just going to name the songs. You can you can attach them to the film. Uh, the use of Blitzkrieg Bop, the use of Pure Imagination, Come a Little Bit Closer, Mr. Blue Sky, The Chain. Immigrant song, and then the closing credit sequence, Can You Dig It from Iron Man 3. Um, now, Can You Dig It from Iron Man 3 is technically part of the score, but I think because it is, it's almost used to 
it's almost used as like the music that to accompany an, its own little short film over the end credits, which is like the film again. Uh-huh. And, you, um, and and also you've counted the moment where the score comes in in Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah. So we're I, so we're, we're we're allowing it. Just the best musical moment, full stop. And yeah, I, I mean, Seb, I I think you might be the best person to talk <laughs> us through this category because, I mean, you, you are the Guardians of the Galaxy two. Like lover here. I so was say, tell, the only way Guardians Two is winning anything in this ca- is this category. <laughs> so it, it like pick pick out your best your best musical moment from Guardians, and we'll and we'll see how that stacks. I up mean, the popular the choice is probably Mr. Blue Sky. Um, the, is that your choice? The thing that counts against it for me is that Mr. Blue Sky has been used in other things really well and it's a mm. really great and famous record the opening credit sequence is fantastic and you know we don't have a best action sequence category but if we did surely that would be in there um but i think i mean i had nominated i think another bit from guardians 2 which was the the use of father and son for the funeral at the end oh uh, i do sorry which, I, I completely missed that so you know that did really uh yeah plays plays all of the emotional um, on the nose but it works yeah. <laughs> um but no i th- i think the the come a little bit closer is the um um the yondu murdering everybody on the ship scene and uh, it's just exquisitely put together and works so well with the music and it's not a song that I was especially familiar with beforehand, and I think the best bits of the two Guardian soundtracks are the stuff that I didn't already know, rather than using stuff that I did know in a new way. Um, so, it's, and also they actually they actually bolster the original recording; they add stuff to it um, as well. It's sort of it's a it's a slight rearrangement. Are you saying are you saying the chain is not improved by its inclusion in Guardians of the Galaxy Two? Um, I like Seb the way... is discounting right. it because it doesn't use the best bit. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, three things about it. One, I don't like Fleetwood Mac. Two, I quite like the chain, but I like the bit that's the theme tune to Formula One. <laughs> three, the chain is already too famous as the theme tune from Formula One to be used as anything else. I do like <laughs> that bit in the So that was God. all that James Gunn could think about when he was putting it <laughs> yeah. on the soundtrack. He was just like, I really, I need people to be thinking about Formula One during this sequence. <laughs> That's what he was thinking. I do, I do like that sequence and I like how it uses it, but it's not the best bit of the track and I'm one of the few people on the planet who doesn't think that Fleetwood Mac's Rumours is a masterpiece. Um, we've been like we've been through this before. Let's not open up this can of worms. Uh, definitely not Brandy or a fine girl. You know when I put that. Because <laughs> it's a shit record. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Okay, so is there anything outside of Guardians? Because actually, I mean, like I wouldn't have gone come a little bit closer of all of those. I would you have gone Mister Blue Sky? Because if if you would, then or, we'll count that. Or the second use of the chain. No, I, 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 I actually, I, I think if I'm being objective, Mister Blue Sky has to be the one. Um, it's your best chance of winning, Seb. <laughs> then yes, that. Okay. So... No, because to be fair, what Mr. Blue Sky gives us is an opening credit sequence that actually manages to almost live up to the opening credit sequence of the first film. And I don't think any of us expected that we would get that from. I I think Mr. Blue Sky is, and that action sequence is the best part of the entire film, and the rest of the film is subpar by comparison. Right, James. So that being said, <laughs> Mr. Blue Sky. Do you think that is a better musical moment than your suggestion of Immigrant Song or Can You Dig It from Iron Man 3 
pure imagination from uh, Thor Ragnarok. I, I'm I, I'm going to veto that. It's not it's not that good. That's better than the um, immigrant song bits. Bollocks, is it? Yeah. Immigrant song is my favourite part of Thor Ragnarok and probably my favourite musical moment. I think Immigrant Song is taken down a peg by the fact that they reuse it later in the film. I think it's ruined by the fact that there's another action sequence and they play it again. The, <laughs> and it no, had already been care. in the trailers. Um, anytime it turns up. The only thing, yeah, the only thing that I would say counts against Immigrant Song is that it's almost better in the trailers than the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I'm going I'm to throw my answer ring. <laughs> Can you dig it at the end of Iron Man 3 is... That's my second choice. So in that case... It's, I, I mean, we talked about it's similar with the Master of the Mystic Arts from uh, Doctor Strange. The best part of the soundtrack is on the end credits. The difference is with Iron Man is, like I said, they use it to kind of like overcut these like greatest moments from the trilogy. Um, and I remember watching that film uh, at the press screening in Leicester Square. And uh, my wife was with me. What, my wife? And she, she, as the film finished, she was like, I'm going to nip to the toilet before they do the post credit scene. Okay, fine. And she walked back in two minutes later. I was like, you missed the best bit of the movie. So like, they did the scene. No, you just missed this amazing track that was like, it, which is like, it's riffing on the, the score and the theme from the film, but executed with just this energy that is that that surpasses anything from from the film itself for, for my money uh so i'm gonna say can you dig it is my is my favorite moment so can we decide between these three immigrant song can you dig it mr blue sky my second would be mr blue sky personally can we work this out on points <laughs> <laughs> we can that's how i do all the nominations right okay can you dig it gets three points from me seb how many points to get from you two Two from me. James? Uh, it's one then, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> we are good. There's no way match. there's no way I was allowing Immigrant Song to win. So yeah. <laughs> okay, so the winner of uh, best musical moment this year is Can You Dig It from the closing credits of Iron Man 3. that point of the point of the night where it's there's only really big awards left we've got our uh, actor and actress we've got best film coming up at the end we've got best director um let's preempt that by an always fun category the worst film which i'm still angry about how this uh, award played out last year uh, in the first year of the podcast fantastic four won the award that that was the uh, josh trank fantastic four richly deserved somehow last year suicide squad didn't walk away with it man of steel because you, you guys 
outvoted me, um, and I I still can't quite believe it. Um, but we've got some good bad films to talk about this year. Sorry, as well. Joe. Before you run through the nominations, can I just say it's Amazing Spider-Man Two? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the nominations are Fantastic Four, Sky High, The Lego Batman Movie, Justice League. Which are all movies that actually, when you look at it, we didn't do many bad movies this year. Like, uh, No, but any, we really in, made up for it by doing the worst one. In any year, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 would probably win. But this year, we really avoided doing bad movies. I mean, James nominated Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. S- yeah, Seb, you I, nominated I Mask of... I'm not, you nominated I'm not Mask of Phantasm. My, I, I briefly considered trying to make this I only nominated interesting Master by nominating. I, needed five. Um, I, I, I was briefly flirting with trying to make this category interesting by trying to force in Iron Fist and to say, well, it was new, so it was. It might not be a film, but it is really, really bad. Um, but yeah, The Amazing Spider-Man Two is a fucking travesty of a movie, isn't it? It takes a bad movie and makes it worse. <laughs> it's just, I mean, you know, we spent probably two hours going over it so we don't need to again it's just on every conceivable level it is the opposite of what we could possibly want from a superhero movie and to do that with spider-man how do Mm. you how do you fail with spider-man of all characters you don't have to do much imaginative or interesting (laughs) with spider-man to still be good and i say this as someone and james will back me up on this who likes 90s spider-man comics which are generally considered to be like the nadir <laughs> of spider-man the worst that spider-man has ever got in comics uh, or maybe the j michael Straczynski stuff um you know still has merit to it this does not it is an abomination it's a travesty and it's it's morally repugnant and spider-man yeah. murders a mentally ill yeah, yeah. man <laughs> yeah like i like i i really would go so far as to say as i i think there are films that we have covered and that we will cover that are more inept than it i look forward to when we get to doing the likes of steel or spawn and we've had howard the duck um i don't think we'll ever do a movie that i hate more than amazing spider-man 2 i really don't mm. Yeah, well, like genuinely, I completely agree with that. I think if you want to know why, why we would think that we've got like two hours of it in yeah, the podcast, uh, but basically, nothing we can do will ever be as bad as Amazing Spider-Man Two. And we don't mean that on the podcast; we mean in life. We think there's <laughs> nothing we are capable of doing that is worse than the Amazing Spider-Man Two. So the Amazing Spider-Man Two wins our worst movie award. I mean, Jesus Christ, last year you guys gave it to Man of Steel over the Amazing Spider-Man, which in itself was <laughs> appalling. I, I think, think a lot of that was still with the knowledge that Amazing Spider-Man 2 was coming. Yeah, You true. should still be very, very ashamed. Okay, um, we'll move on now to Best Director, which in the first year was won by Edgar Wright for Scott Pilgrim. Last year was won by <laughs> Sam Raimi for Spider-Man 2. I think, I listened back, we gave it to Edgar Wright for most direction of Scott Pilgrim, which I think <laughs> is fair. Um, so narrowly missing out on the nominations for Best Director were James Mangold for Logan, Rachel Talalay for Tank Girl, and Brad Bird for The Incredibles. Which means our nominees are M. Night Shyamalan for Unbreakable, Taika Waititi for Thor Ragnarok, Patty Jenkins for Wonder Woman, Shane Black for Iron Man 3, and Joss Whedon for The Avengers. Um, and half of Justice League? <laughs> no. 
I'm gonna say no because we don't know what we don't know what he directed, and also no. We do know some of the bits. <laughs> I was gonna say it's fairly yeah. clear what he directed, <laughs> but also no. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I think that there are three outstanding nominees here and two nominees who are here because okay. they're can I see if I can, can I see if I can guess? Yeah. I think Joss Whedon, Shane Black and Patty Jenkins are the outstanding three. Uh, no, that is incorrect. Okay. <laughs> it's Joss Whedon, Patty Jenkins and M. Night Shyamalan for me. Uh, and I think Taika Waititi, uh, I, if, I think probably there is literally half of this film that he didn't direct. Yeah. That it was completely <laughs> it was second, second unit. unit. <laughs> and, you know, the, the highlights of Thor Ragnarok for me are not director driven. That they're, they're probably Taika Waititi driven. But maybe not in his guise as director, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and I think I would say the same for, for Iron Man 3, personally. Uh, whereas Joss Whedon's in there for the Avengers because of that third act. Um, and that third act is something that I don't think has ever been bettered in superhero cinema, personally. Um, I think M. Night Shyamalan is like everything is so precise and unbreakable and it's gorgeous in a really grimy dark way um and then wonder woman i mean look we saw what happened when Whedon slash snyder tried to do uh Fimiscara and those characters and even and even Wonder Woman, like in the action sequences, Patty Jenkins did something on that film that uh, no other director could have done, I think. And while I think that she has an an enormous like weapon in Gal Gadot at the center of that movie, who is phenomenal, I think it's you know it, it's a two hander between her and Gadot that she. She makes that character right. She she's just as responsible for making Diana iconic in that movie as Gal Gadot is, and uh, yeah, I think it's it's a phenomenal job from Patty Jenkins and one that couldn't have been more pressured. There is no one on this list that was under more pressure to deliver than Patty Jenkins was with Wonder Woman. So, uh, oh, I don't know. I don't know who I choose between the three. I'm I I probably like hope that one of you guys will sway me slash tell me why I'm wrong for. Ignoring black and white easy. No, I think I mean, I mean, I I was quite in favour of Taika Waititi for this, but I think you make a good argument in that I'm thinking about all the stuff that he did direct rather than the stuff that he didn't. So, um, on the technicality um, of the fact that great chunks of Thor Ragnarok don't feel like a Taika Waititi film the way that yeah. other bits of it do, fair enough. Um, Shane Black, I think. Iron Man 3 is a well-directed film, but I think the brilliance of Shane Black is more in the screenplay. I was going to say... Like, and that's... we've already credited him for that and given him an award yeah, for that. Yeah, that's so. the thing for me, is that Shane Black's visuals aren't yeah. up to much. And as much He's a writer-director with the emphasis on writing. Yeah, the yeah. same with Joss Whedon. Like, 
he competently directs an excellent script. Whereas, I think... uh, but mm. I think in Avengers' favor, you've got the sequence that James, you have always said, is the yeah, sequence yeah, yeah. in a like, movie that's most like reading a comic. Yeah, <laughs> like that. That bit is good, but it's a standout moment in an otherwise competent film. Mm. Like I think so, Patty Jenkins we... is the only person going beyond competent. Well, because you're Whoa, not, you're not about... a fan of M Night Shyamalan. I knew that see, James was never going to let M Night Shyamalan win this one. So. I mean, I I have nothing against M Night Shyamalan. I'm just not impressed by him. Like I think, I think he's the opposite. He's purely you a think it's guy. too obvious. I think well, yeah, I think, think he's too visual. Too obvious yeah. and... Like he's not subtle. Well, you just you know you just said that he, earlier that he couldn't have the screenplay because it was all about silence. So <laughs> it, it must be the direction that makes that a good film. Because <laughs> it is a good film. It's a really good film. Yeah, but <sighs> something has to be responsible for that, James. <laughs> okay, the thing is, like, it's to me, it's almost as if he looked into it because you look at his other films and they're all like less complete what? versions. No, like, like you can't. This you was can't on say... the back of the Sixth Sense. This was on the back of the Sixth Sense, which is like this, but more so in terms of what he manages to pull off as a writer director in that movie. It's one of those rare twist movies that is, like, infinitely rewatchable. I, I honestly, I don't, I, I don't think it is possible to say that M Night Shyamalan, like, fluked into a good movie. He's an extremely talented guy who I think during a stage of his career. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, are you arguing that he fluked into like six bad movies in a row or something? Like what? No, I think I think he I think he um I think he bought into his hype a bit too much. I think I've said that before. I think he um I think he focused on the things that he was less good at. I think he tried to be a different director than he was naturally, and I think he's finding his way back to what he's good at now later in his career. Um I mean even some of his bad movies I don't think are badly directed. So, so, uh, I, yeah, I think where his flaws come later in his career are, are more as a writer than they are, are as a director, and sometimes as an actor. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, the, 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 this is a guy who's responsible for one of the most terrifying moments in cinema ever in Signs, <laughs> which is purely yeah, visual. Yeah, I don't. I yeah, I'm. I know he's not going to win here, and that's fine because I've spent the last five minutes <laughs> talking about why I think he's great. But I really <laughs> do think M Night Shyamalan is a supremely talented director and I think it is it is a, a brilliant thing for cinema that he is on the comeback trail right now and god get glass in my life as soon as possible please uh, it's fine he's not winning James well, we I, can move on you know I I think you're right in a lot of ways but I'm I'm just not swayed Okay, so I think it's between, from what we're saying, it's between Patty Jenkins and Joss Whedon, and I think I'm really torn. Seb, are you torn as well, or are you leaning in one direction? Because James is definitely leaning in the Patty Jenkins direction. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't feel strongly enough that it has to be Joss Whedon to argue against it being Patty Jenkins. I think I think everything you've said... Uh, is is true about Patty Jenkins? I think, I think Justice League has only strengthened the feeling of how Patty Jenkins succeeded at what she was doing with Wonder Woman. Um, so, yeah, yeah. 
I think. Yeah. That, I mean, let's face it. I mean, as you say, there was so much pressure on for um, you know not the first woman to direct a comic book movie because we had had Lexi Alexander and Rachel Tyler Lay before, but you know the first woman to direct a major and that's that sounds patronising to say oh she did really well because she was the first woman who did it, but what I mean is is that thing of she would have been placed under far greater scrutiny in terms of if this hadn't succeeded, she would not have then had the opportunities afterwards. Um, and the fact that she was having to direct, you know, one of the first major ones that we've had with a female solo lead, and to do that in a way that wasn't just shot the way that Wonder Woman was shot in Justice League. Um, and, you know, even aside from all of that, you know, ignoring the fact that it's a woman directing a female film, um, purely on the level of it's a really well directed and you know I mean, not notwithstanding the final C- CGI sequence but um... it's but it's it's gorgeous in Firmascara. Firmascara is so well realised. Mm. I um, mean I'd, 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 London you know... London looks fantastic when they get there. The the No Man's Land sequence is exhilarating action. And then when you think back to some of the quieter moments like, you know, the the moment in the small town that they're in uh, before before the kind of the final battle stuff kicks off and the dancing and it, the fact that she made I the think it is... stuff interesting like because I remember from the trailer I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I was thinking, I said this on our podcast about it. I was expecting that I was going to be sitting there going, oh, they need to hurry up and get off this island. <laughs> and then actually when we got it, it was you know some of the most engaging stuff that the film did yeah so we are we're agreed then patty jenkins wins best director this year for wonder woman yep yeah okay uh so we'll move on now to best actress um and we talked about how this is sometimes difficult because there aren't many leading roles for women uh in these superhero movies uh which uh speaks to why in the past two years we've had the same winner Hayley atwell and Hayley atwell um <laughs> Haley unfortunately can't be back to defend her crown this year, uh, so we have five brand new nominees, um, and I'm excited about these. I think they're fantastic nominees. I just think we all know. I was going to say the problem already. with this is why even bother having this conversation. <laughs> okay, so the nominees are Kate Blanchett for Thor Ragnarok, which eh, I didn't agree with, but hey ho. Uh, Holly Hunter for The Incredibles, which I'm very happy about. Gwyneth Paltrow for Iron Man 3, Laurie Petty for Tank Girl, and then Gal Gadot for Wonder Woman. You can throw a Justice League in there if you want to, but I don't think you need to. Um, I, I nominated Laurie Petty, but as I said at the time, do we have to discount her because she's not actually acting in that film? <laughs> yeah, it's like Goldblum didn't get nominated for Thor Ragnarok, did he? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> she's, she's fantastic, but all she had to do was turn, turn up, up. And, and be herself. So, yeah. Can I just say, you guys, thank you so much for not forcing us to have the Cecil Thompson argument again on the podcast. <laughs> I really appreciate that. <laughs> uh, so, Do yeah, you know, I, I, mean... I, I, I think I included her in my nominations for Best Supporting Actress and then thought, knowing what you feel, it's not even going to get any further. So, <laughs> um, 
let, let's talk about this uh, in a similar way that you would um, the Premier League this season. Who's going to come second? Because <laughs> I, I, my favourite is... This is a James really thing, appreciated right? that reference. Yes. Um, I... Holly Hunter is my favourite, I think, of these of these other ones. And I know it's just a voice role, and so it's it's a different playing field. But if you're going to be but, just a voice role, be Holly Hunter's voice. <laughs> be Holly Hunter's voice, and be Holly Hunter so entirely, you know, crafting that character with mm. that voice performance. She's she's wonderful, and and, um, and she is the strongest character as a character in that film in terms of yeah the, i the i nominated elastigirl for best hero she didn't quite make the cut but i <laughs> nominated her um because she's the best and yeah i think i think holly hunter i'm glad that we got the chance to talk about her here um at least um kate blanchett i don't know what you guys were thinking i don't know who nominated her but <laughs> I mean, and to be honest she she was like the fifth nominee uh, everyone else we kind of had some semblance of a, agreement on Gwyneth Paltrow, more of us nominated her for lead than supporting. Um, so that's yeah, why she made it in here. She's a lead in Iron Man 3, I think. Yeah. It's, we have this argument every year. It's difficult to know <laughs> what's a lead performance and what's a support. Because is she the main female character? Yes. Is she the lead character in the movie? No. So what is she? Is she a lead character? Or is she supporting lead actor or supporting actor? Who knows? But we've got her in here. We spoke about Laurie Petty. I think you're right. She she does her thing. So after we just wax lyrical about Patty Jenkins, shall we wax lyrical about Gal Gadot for a bit? Because I feel like we've already Seb, done it see... several times on this episode. <laughs> I think we've kind of talked around Wonder Woman and all the things that are great about Wonder Woman and the character. But in terms of this, in terms of the performance specifically, I don't think we have. We don't need to go too deep into it. Well, but, like we said this week slash last week, she makes so much of Justice League work just by being her. Mm. Like, she has a rapport with all of these characters who would otherwise just be, like, idiots in the same movie. Yeah, that's it. I mean, uh, I, I think, if anything, Justice League... Justice League's a better argument, just yeah. how good she is. Because it's like, um, imagine how Justice League would have been without her in it. Yeah. I think she, she ends up doing everything in Wonder Woman. She's funny... She sells the romance. She is uh, uh, fantastically convincing at being a badass action hero. Like I, I said before about that, she she has to sell you on the fact that this person who is such a threat on the battlefield is driven by empathy and by love. It, and, and also, it's, it's it's such a multifaceted performance, and and all, and, and everyone else partly... on Themyscira has to do her accent. <laughs> that's how good she is that everyone yeah. else has to copy her accent and what I was going to say is it is it is partly down to Patty Jenkins as well this but the fact that she achieves all that and the character isn't sexualized, yeah I think is um is an incredible achievement I, I think she's I think she is so great and we need to flash back 12 months and when we were talking about Wonder Woman <laughs> and whether it was going to be any good we were like what what is Gal Gadot going to be any good though? Mm. That's the because we didn't know from Batman v Superman if she no was we actually... didn't yeah and I liked you know I, I I liked her in the Fast and Furious movies uh, but I mean everyone's kind of fine in those movies uh, it's hard to like really stand out as an actress um, 
we need to talk about this. Gal Gadot was a Mossad agent. You know, she <laughs> she's she she did uh, her national service in Israel. So she, she is. There's a reason why she's believable at doing that stuff <laughs> in the movie. She's prob she's probably the only Hollywood star who has actually killed. Oh, people. Joe, so naive. <laughs> <laughs> also, like if nothing else, well, not if nothing else, because she's great. But can we give her this for the for? Her single-handed determination to to kill Brett Ratner's career. <laughs> yeah, quite. Well, I, d I don't know whether we know that's true, no. but if it is, <laughs> no. But yeah, I think hats off to her. I think I think the fact that it's it's very clear that she's not somebody who takes any shit, and I think in the coming years, we're likely to see her as somebody who gets stuff done in a, in a good way. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I can't. I can't wait for more movies with that character in. And honestly, if that Wonder Woman 2 movie is a Cold War movie, you know, pencil that in for all the awards the year that comes out. Patty Jenkins directing <laughs> that movie with Gal Gadot in it. Yes, please. Okay, so Gal Gadot is a runaway winner of our Best Actress category. Uh, we'll move on to Best Actor now. Um, and actually, two previous winners in this category are represented in the nominees. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. won this in the first year for uh, Iron Man and Iron Man 2. Um, and then Hugh Jackman won it last year for his performance in X-Men. And I remember that was a real struggle, kind of getting getting down to a winner last year. Uh, just missing out on the nominations this year. I'm sorry, said Peter Serafinowicz, just outside... <laughs> Chris Hemsworth for Thor Ragnarok, just outside, and Bruce Willis uh, for Sin City and Unbreakable, probably one of those more <laughs> than the other, just outside. Yeah. So, the nominees are Chris Pine for Wonder Woman, Hugh Jackman for X2 slash Logan, Christopher Reeve for Superman 2, Robert Downey Jr. for Avengers and Iron Man 3, and Carl Urban for Dread. So it's down to the two previous winners then, isn't it? I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, this is Robert Downey Jr.'s best. It's Tony Robert Downey Stark's Jr.'s best year and Hugh, Hugh Jackman's, Jackman's best Wolverine. <laughs> well, so, well, so last year we basically, after watching X Men, I think we talked about how that character, you know, was, you know, was crafted out of nowhere basically by Jackman, and how that, as much as we liked everything else that Jackman had done, there was there was facets of that first performance in X Men. Yeah, that we... were the best work that he'd done and while we you know like he got to be more central in x-men 2 he kind of logan was never weighted correctly in any of the films that followed to really get the best out of him compared to the yeah, way he's because used they, in the first they gave him too much heavy lifting like yeah he stopped and... being the kind of wise cracking outsider and started being Whereas... like, the romantic lead and here's the difference. So we talked about last year, like, okay, so is this the year to give it to Hugh Jackman because this is probably his best <laughs> X-Men performance? Skip forward a year and we've got Logan. And it's a completely different version of the character. But holy shit, by the end of that movie, <laughs> you know, like, uh, you are just... You really feel like you've been through the ringer with this guy. And... I know we we're saying all the way through you you can't really bring stuff from the other movies into it, but Logan entirely trades in that. It is it is asking you to whilst kind of acknowledging that this is almost like it's almost like an 
an alternate universe version of Wolverine. But it's asking you to bring all of the baggage you have with that character into this film and it pays dividends. I, I know it didn't work for everyone because because of how different it was and because of how disconnected it feels from the rest of the X-Men franchise. Um, but I think it does, it, it simultaneously, simultaneously exists as this singular work whilst also being able to bring all of that accumulated emotion and attachment to that character into it. I mean, and the the relationships that Jackman has with Patrick Stewart, with Stephen Merchant, with Daphne Keene in that movie. Oh yeah, Stephen Merchant. <laughs> yeah, who would who would have thought, right? Who would have thought? Um, he's he's incredible, and retrospectively, a year on, I kind of uh, slightly annoying that we're like giving it as a huge Jackman back to back. If that if, you know, if that is the case, but. I look at this list of nominees and I just go, yeah, no, he is, he's clearly the best here as far as I'm concerned. And that is, that is some, that's some achievement in a category with Robert Downey Jr. and Christopher Reeve particularly. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it was going to be Robert Downey Jr. or Hugh Jackman. And I kind of think <laughs> Robert Downey Jr., as good as he is in these films, he's essentially doing more of the same. Like Iron Man 3 stretches him a bit but not in the way that Hugh Jackman is stretched by Logan. Yeah, it, and it's... To be portraying, you know, another twist on that character that feels so drastically different, but also feels like it's on the continuum for that. I think that's why it ultimately works. Yeah, yeah definitely. And why... is it, because even if you go, this world feels so different from everything else I've experienced with the X-Men... And the tone and, you know, everything about it is so different. But I think the reason it works is because this version of Logan exists on the same continuum as that character has always existed. And even in the crap films, Jackman is good. <laughs> Here, he's really good. Um, I, think the, I, I think the only other person in this category I kind of want to talk about briefly is Chris Pine in Wonder Woman, who I do think is fantastic. And I think... If we're talking about the Chris rankings this year, James, you were saying we've got this year we could have had Chris Pratt, we could have had Chris Pine, Chris Hemsworth. Is there more? Uh, Chris, Chris Evans. Reeves and Chris Evans, yeah. Chris Evans, Chris Reeves. You know, so many Chrises that we could have chosen chosen from. And, you know, none of them are probably going to win. But Chris Pine in Wonder Woman, I think, was another, you know, just another great surprise from that film because... I like Chris Pine, and at the back end of last year, he showed up in Hello High Water giving a really good performance, and I was like, huh, I remember Chris Pine, you know, I, you forget he can do this. I mean, obviously he's, I think, great in Star Trek. Well, the, I, um, yeah, I was going to say, my only problem with Chris Pine in Wonder Woman is that he is essentially doing the same performance as his Captain Kirk, <laughs> which is fine, like, it's a great performance, but it's no for no identical I think that I think there's a little bit more to this character, um, but it's I, I you know it was like you said anyone anyone could kind of have that chemistry with Gal Gadot <laughs> and you know with with some of these others you can argue that they're the best part of their movies and you definitely can't do that for Chris Pine yeah. which you know yeah. is unlucky for him because everyone else in the film is so is so good but 
I think it's also fair. <laughs> yep. So do we? So we. So so there's no argument to be made for Christopher Reeve then. <laughs> <laughs> it's. It feels wrong that we'll have got through two of these movies with Christopher Reeve. I thought that, and then I thought, do you know what? Next year, we're going to have the movie where he does the Clark Kent Superman fight. <laughs> I was going to say, he's so still got another roll of the dice, hasn't that's, he? That's got his, his best chance, I think. He's got another <laughs> two rolls of the dice, Actually, no, he? I mean, it genuinely, not... First, well, no, fourth one is not a roll of the <laughs> The dice. bit where he's a there, computer game is great. <laughs> there is an argument to be made that the third film's his best performance, actually. But we'll get to that. We will get to the that. Third, that I've got to say, exciting. the third film was my favourite performance, so <laughs> there's a good chance he'll win next year. If you <laughs> yeah. also think... Um, okay, so are we are we going to sign it off? Hugh Jackman, best actor 2017? Yeah, Seb just has to go and watch the movie so he can agree. <laughs> I mean, it's worth, it's Seb... worth remembering because we didn't really mention it, but he's in X-Men 2 and he's great in X-Men 2 as well. Like he's he a, is great. He becomes yeah. the male lead in that film. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm 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 not going to argue against it for Logan because everything I know about that film, and I am intending to watch it over Christmas. I tried to get it in time for um, <coughs> seeing it for the awards, and it, it just didn't happen this week. Uh, but I think if you if either of you had had a stronger argument for Robert Downey Jr. and I'm kind of surprised that James doesn't, I would have fought Downey Jr.'s corner a bit more. But I mean, it's um, it's because Logan is just such a such a yeah. such I mean, a level think, up in terms of the performance in a way that even Avengers and Iron Man three aren't yeah. for Robert Downey Jr. I mean, I think I think the point is worth making that they are, are well, I think they are his two best performances in that role. Yeah, yeah definitely, no, I would agree. But, um, but like but I say, just, they obviously don't quite. <laughs> live it's up to not. Jackman. It's not a level up. Okay, we'll move on now to our final category of the main awards, at least, which is best film. And uh, just before we do, um, if we sound slightly different to how we did. 30 seconds ago um that's because it's actually a day in the future for us now because uh seb you had to run off we had we had a we we had an unexpected disturbance in our podcast <laughs> there was a disturbance <laughs> we had we, we, we had some unexpected vomiting in my family uh which yes uh we had to suddenly we got almost all the way through an incredibly was... long awards recording last night it was too As much call beer it in... <laughs> As you call it in the Patrick household, a Man of Steel moment. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, so it's a day in the future for us yes. now, um, and we're we're just returning to the last couple of awards, um, which has really built up the tension on our end uh, for best film, the big award of the night. Which guys, I mean, I don't want to like say that we're predictable, but two years ago, Spider Man <laughs> won this award, and last year, Spider Man Two won it. Although, and this as year I we remember, Spider Man Three. No. But, they, but as I remember, we had to put Spider-Man 2 to a listener vote last year because we couldn't we pick between it and Ghost World. Yeah. yeah, I still kind of think Ghost World should have won, especially seeing as life imitated Ghost World this week um, with a restaurant in Tennessee yeah. putting up the Coon Chicken Inn sign on its wall and calling it a historical document. Amazing. Well, presumably Enid works there. Presumably. Um, okay, so we'll we'll go through um, a couple of films that received votes but didn't quite make the cut. Um, Unbreakable, The Incredibles, Dread, Superman 2, and Thor Ragnarok. Which means our nominees are Logan, X2, Wonder Woman, The Avengers, and Iron Man 3. Well, we've we're about much covered to... this off in the, uh, yeah, in the we're best at... screenplay one, didn't we? We're about to <laughs> we're about to re-argue, aren't we? And yeah. uh, I mean, I, I yeah, I think we talked about this that Logan, I, I think, is a, a very good film, but 
that has its has its flaws and i think those flaws are more notable than anything in the avengers or iron man 3 <laughs> x2 i i think this that kind of feels like the fifth nominee here it's you know it's it's a good film but at, i don't at think the time it, it was probably the best superhero film since the superman films now yeah. nothing I barely moves the nothing. needle but, um... I, ju- I, I just think strangely like uh, always in my mind certainly like going into doing this podcast the the kind of the best superhero movies were spider-man 2 and x2 kind of going like going a little bit further back anyway in that also, era of superhero i'm sorry cinema. but even if i did think it was the best film we'd covered this year i would not be giving a brian singer film the <laughs> best film award on this podcast <laughs> right or indeed yeah. ever definitely not the time um so i i actually think especially given how some of our other awards go then this becomes a three-way scrap between wonder woman the avengers and iron man 3 but hey how great that two new movies have made their way into this category because i'm not sure we we probably haven't nominated a new movie for this category before so the fact I that can't two, imagine we would have done if you great. think of what i mean i think i think i think the reason we have a best new film category is that in the first year, um, there wasn't, mm. uh, you know, we knew the new films wouldn't make it in. We knew that Ant-Man was the best of them. And last year, yeah, it ended up being the same. I don't think, I don't think Doctor Strange or what was the winner? Um, Civil War. Civil War. Civil War must have must have got in, uh, in mm. the top five at least, maybe. I can't even remember. Not, Someone will sure. listen back and tell us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it still didn't stand a chance of winning, especially given that, you guys don't feel as strongly about it as I do. So So I'm going to imagine that in this category, I am going to argue for the Avengers again, because it is my favorite comic book movie. Uh, I think James is going to argue for Iron Man three again, because James, is that your favorite comic book movie? Yes, it is Joe. Uh, Seb, do do you want to argue the case for Wonder Woman just to make things muddy? Or are you going to weigh into the Avengers versus Iron Man three debate? It's a tricky one because I want there to be a debate. I obviously <laughs> do. But, but also But we are talking about the actual if not the actual best, then I, I think one of three that are impossible to separate as the best comic book superhero movies ever. Uh the other two being Superman and the Dark Knight. So you know, as much as I would like to argue for Wonder Woman, and it's a great film, and it thoroughly deserved to be best new film this year, um, it's not flawless, and the Avengers is pretty much flawless. And Iron Man three is very, very close. In any other year, there's no question Iron Man three would have won. Um, but well, unless it was up against the Dark Knight or Superman or Ghost <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. Or Spider-Man 2. I was going to say, um, or Spider-Man 2. <laughs> Let's, you know, Iron Man 3 is a very strong contender. It's unfortunate that it's being covered in the same year that we covered Avengers, because it's the film that comes directly after Avengers. So, um... And I think what's, what's fascinating about the Avengers is that even it, at, at the time, it was great. Um, but I, I think there could have been some temptation to say, well, I mean, like... Yeah, was it really that difficult? You've got these characters who you've established well in other films. You put them together in one movie. <laughs> you, you, you know, you, it's it's not like it's got a massive plot. The Avengers. It is Loki comes to Earth and attacks, and then the Avengers assemble and fight back. And they kind of like they come together as a team. They separate as a team. They come back together. <laughs> they so beat it's up not a bunch of complex. CGI things. 
Yeah, but oh my god, how good is it when they're beating up those CGI <laughs> things? Yeah, it was and great the look- first time, wasn't it? And you look at, well, so you look at what's come since, and even Joss Whedon himself has had one and a half more attempts to recapture that magic with Age of Ultron and Justice League, um, and doesn't come close in either. It's not quite as simple as just bringing these characters no, together. No, that's, that's not the reason why it's good. It's one of the reasons why it's good, but... Um... And, and it was... It was good when it came out because of that novelty value, but the fact that, you know, we're so accustomed to these superhero crossovers now, but the Avengers still stacks up and it still towers above well, we, all of the all of the competition. I'm sure we said this on our on our infamous lost commentary, and if, if we if we didn't uh, you know, I think we either said it on the commentary or on the episode itself, or probably on both, because by I think by the time we came to record the episode we knew that we'd lost the commentary, didn't we? Um it's remarkable that it's that it stands up and watching it again it stands up i think it benefits from not having seen it for a little while and going back to it and being allowed to discover afresh the things that make it great but it is also absolutely a film that it will that film is going to be shown on television constantly forever now especially at christmas mm. and if you come across it and it's on and you don't have to rush off somewhere. You're probably just going to sit and watch it from whatever point you join it until <laughs> it the is end. very, it's very Terminator Two in that regard, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And I, w- I will say uh, to any of our UK listeners, I think it's probably the case for our US listeners already. But UK listeners, it's just been added to Netflix in the past couple of weeks, so uh, you can literally watch it whenever you want if you're a Netflix Netflix subscriber now. And um, <laughs> this Christmas, I plan to. Um, it's. Uh, I think if it's not the best superhero movie ever made, it is the best third act of a superhero movie ever made. Um, that that third act, and and the thing that I always come back to is when I first watched the movie, and I must have, I, I think I watched the movie three or four times in cinemas, and it took me until like four or five watches in to go, oh, I guess it is kind of dumb that Selvig built that. Like, oh yeah, if you prod Loki's staff into it, I guess I guess it'll close the portal. But <laughs> a back when door, I was you put in a back door. Yeah, and like, it, it, but when I was watching the movie those first four or five times, it really didn't like. It, I didn't even notice because I was having such a thrill with everything that was going on elsewhere, and like. I, I remember, you know, the, there's so many individual beats in that final sequence that are that are exhilarating. The the dialogue that Whedon has earlier in the f- earlier in the film, they're just those little moments that he peppers in. That I think sometimes Joss Whedon's humor can feel a little obnoxious, but everything feels perfect in the Avengers <laughs> and. Add to that that final battle sequence, and add to that those characters bouncing off each other the way they do. Um, I think particularly Tony and Steve. I mean, that's that really is for me what launched the MCU. That Iron Man works really well on its own, and I love the first Avenger as a movie. But we wouldn't have not even just the movies in the MCU. We wouldn't have any of the superhero movies we're watching now the way that they're being made. If not for, if not for yeah. the Avengers, and so it's important in that regard, but it's also just fucking great. There are there are two things I would say that I think um, just really are, are what what strike me the most. One is it didn't need to be anywhere near as good as it actually no. is. <laughs> you know, it it could have been 
solid. Like it could have been as good as Age of Ultron. And if the first Avengers film had been as good as Age of Ultron, We'd have been we happy. would have yeah. yeah, we would have been happy because it would have been doing all the stuff about pulling the characters together and it would have succeeded and not been a disaster and we would have enjoyed the hell out of it and it would have been great. It didn't need to be the absolute apotheosis of this series of films. Mm. And the other thing I will say is that it's so good that Den of Geek let James give it five stars and not four. <laughs> and Iron Man 3 has only got a four-star review. From that, him, so. yeah. Well, that was Simon arguing me down. In all fairness, <laughs> I would have given it five. But even Den of Geek has let that film have a five-star review. Yeah. So, you know. Hmm. And I, I think, Seb, as well as you saying it, it didn't have to be this good, um, I think what, something else it could have been is a lot more complicated I think, like, how straightforward it is, it, in the end, works enormously to its benefit. I remember before this film coming out going, like, looking at the trailer and going, oh, so what's that thing flying through the sky? Could that be some kind of version of Thin Fang Foom or something? And, like, is Maria Hill, she's in it. Could she actually be playing a villain from within S.H.I.E.L.D.? And the Hulk, so we know that... that Bruce Banner's Hulk's turning up, but he's played by a different actor. Could Hulk actually the, be the villain? Is Loki just like a, you know, a distraction, a red herring? And uh, the film is remarkably straightforward in terms of its plotting. There's no kind of big rug pulls or anything like that. And then, I mean, the thing that we didn't talk about, I think even now after seeing the Infinity War trailer... Thanos has never been cooler than that one moment at the end of the Avengers where he turns and grins and you're like I didn't know who Thanos was, I didn't know like what that meant but I just got this thrill and went oh my I god <laughs> I, uh, that that looks important I, I, yeah I need to I, I, I need to go home and research everything about Marvel and like it's probably you know it's probably one of the reasons we're doing the podcast right now because <laughs> because the Avengers just yeah yeah I mean okay so I agree with all of this right and the problem for me has always been separating Iron Man 3 and Avengers and basically the only way I think I've got any chance is just look at Captain America's costume in Avengers and tell me it's not just the crappiest thing you've ever seen. It's not great, but the fact that he's still awesome <laughs> in spite of it. And I mean, Iron Man 3 has, as, as we discussed earlier, one of Iron Man's worst <laughs> armors in it. So Yeah. It also has a lot of other better ones. Also, you know, Iron Man 3 would not be able to exist without Avengers. That's the problem, Avengers isn't it? Like, a, a lot of... Anymore. So much of what's good about Iron Man 3 rests on it being, like... A direct sequel to Avengers. Yeah, well, not not so much sequel, but, like... <sighs> epilogue, Deal, I guess? Dealing with, the, dealing with the fallout. Yeah, yeah an epilogue. To, yeah, an aftermath. Uh, well, I mean, everything for the character of Tony Stark has been before and after that, going through that portal, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, um, and I mean, Age of Ultron tried to do that as well, but does it less good? I think, I think Age of Ultron... I think one of the better aspects of Age of Ultron is the way that it deals with Tony. Oh yeah, definitely. I, and the same um, same as Civil War, like the the thing that informs his motivations in that film is all the crap he's been through recently. And it all and it all goes back to this. Yeah. Um yeah. So I mean, no surprises, listeners, The Avengers <laughs> is our best film of twenty seventeen and um as far as I'm concerned, 
the worthiest of winners. Um, so we'll move on to our, our final category that we decide all together, which is um, the Cinematic Universe Hall of Fame. Uh, so in the first year of this podcast, we um, we put Nick Cage into our Hall of Fame because we'd had kick <laughs> we'd had kick ass and Ghost Rider, and we were like, "This is his I only think <laughs> yeah, it was it's his only chance." And I well, because we 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 weren't going to put him in after doing Spirit of Vengeance, but I think after watching those two films, we were like. This guy really needs some recognition. He's great in these two movies, and probably of everyone that we're ever going to feature on this podcast is is as big a comic book fan as anyone else. So yeah. it's lovely we got Nick Cage in there. Last year we decided we were going to put two people in. So um, after she had taken home the Best Actress Award two years in a row, Haley Atwell got uh, got uh, to enter the Hall of Fame. As did Spider Man director Sam Raimi because we'd got through Spider Man one and two, and um, the other films that we're going to discuss from from Sam Raimi on this podcast at some point aren't as good as those two. So it felt the right time to put Sam Raimi in as well. Um, And so this year we decided we would elect three people into our Hall of Fame. And so we each suggested five people. um, And there was only one person that that each of us nominated, that that (laughs) each of us came back with the same name. And all three of us came back with the same name. Um... In fact, he's just won his back-to-back uh, Best Actor awards on the podcast. In the year that Logan was released, I think it feels right that we should put Hugh Jackman in there right now, Absolutely. doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's he's capped off what is an incredible run of playing the character like 50 different times as well. Hmm. And like we've, su- we've still got to cover him on the podcast in X-Men 3 and in Days of Future Past, but in terms of the best of Hugh Jackman... We've covered it on this podcast. Yeah, and, and like, I, I, the... I, I don't fancy getting <laughs> three anytime soon. Quite I mean, no. even yeah. The thing is, like, even in the bad Wolverine films or the bad X Men films, Hugh Jackman is still the best part of them. Have we done the Wolverine? We have. No, we haven't. Have we? No. Uh, no. no, because it comes between. Um... It comes yeah. be- before it comes Days of Future, Future Past. Past. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, so I mean, we, we, we're gonna we're gonna get to all of those eventually, but yeah, I think in the year that we did X two and Logan, and yeah. the stuff, I mean, because I, you know, I even have a a, a little bit of fondness for X Men Origins Wolverine. I think that would have been definitely a nominee for the Howard T Duck Award in the first year. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, Hugh Jackman feels like a no brainer. So Hugh Jackman goes into the Hall of Fame. And I'm now just going to read out all the rest of the names that were nominated, and we have to pick two of these that we think <laughs> that this is the right time for them to go into the Hall of Fame, or, or whether they deserve to go in full stop. So the other nominees were Laurie Petty, Gal Gadot, Carl Urban, Samuel L. Jackson, Michael Rucker, Robert Downey Jr., Joss Whedon, Christopher Reeve, Patrick Stewart, Michael Keaton, and Kevin Conroy. <laughs> Does uh, is there anyone you guys want to pick out there and just say, yeah, come on, it's this has got to be the time that we put that person into the Hall of Fame? Uh, even though I didn't nominate him, I think Michael Keaton. Uh, yeah, that's my he's my second choice. I don't as well, think we've Seb. quite given him the recognition that he should have had for his Batman performances. He didn't get Best Supporting Actor for that Homecoming performance, but I think that Spider-Man Homecoming performance so nicely bookends the comic book movie career of Michael Keaton. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I think he has given us, you know, in a, in a relatively short space of films, a lot of enjoyment in films that we've covered on this podcast. 
um, you know, from saying, do you want to get nuts in the first Batman film to the door opening moment in Spider-Man Homecoming and the scene in the car. So, Yeah, I I couldn't agree with that more. I think now that he is iconic as both a hero and a villain. Um, yeah, which is, which is rare yeah, in this that genre. That is very rare. Yeah, and and I of course by that mean as Batman and Birdman, because um, <laughs> <laughs> Birdman is a cock. No, no, sorry, that's the that's the director of Birdman. Um, I, yeah, I, I was I just had to get my Birdman digs in. Um, I yeah, I I think Michael Keaton is fantastic in both of those roles. Um, he was my favorite thing about Spider-Man: Homecoming, and that scene in the house and then in the car in Spider-Man Homecoming was the closest I came to believing that that film had to direct. So <laughs> I'm a, I'm a big I, fan of how leathery his skin looks in that movie. <laughs> so yeah, J- James, are you, are you also on board Keaton going into the hall yeah, of fame? I mean, I didn't, didn't nominate him, but also I'm, I mean, there's no one on my list that I think should definitely be there to the exclusion of him. Like, I think the, yeah. the hero-villain vill- argument is enough to sway me, because I don't think anyone else has done that. And in terms of the context of our podcast, we've done Batman, we've done Batman Returns, and we've done Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, this is which, the last chance. Well, and and it, feels, it feels right. And so, as we move on and look for our third Hall of Fame uh, candidate, I, I look down this list and I kind of go... Do you know what? I, I I think at this point I'd be surprised if they don't get in there eventually. But I think Gal Gadot and Robert Downey Jr. We are about to enter very interesting periods for both of those in the next couple of years. <laughs> yeah, and that it and that it might be a little bit too early. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. So, I I mean I I think a couple of interesting names down here. I think Carl Urban's an interesting name. Um, I think. I think it might be a bit too early for Joss Whedon as well. Uh, Christopher Reeve, we've obviously got, we've done two of his four movies. Is it is it time for him? Are we ever going to discuss Kevin Conroy again on the podcast, you guys? <laughs> I mean, could just... we put could we put two Batman into there at the same time? No, they'd they'd fight too much. You have to keep them separated. <laughs> also, we we are not not quite the fans of, of <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Conroy, Conroy's no. Batman. I mean, not of Kevin Conroy's performance, but of that incarnation mm. of Batman, the way that other people are. The thing I is, did, like, for I, Kevin think Conroy, about... I think he does a good voice performance, but a good voice performance is a lot less engaging than a, a good acting performance. I did think about um, putting forward Adam West for consideration, despite the fact that we hadn't covered him on the podcast, <laughs> given yeah. given his uh, him sadly passing away this year. But I think, if anything, that should be the impetus for us to cover the classic Batman series next year on the podcast. Yes. Either the series or the movie. Uh, one of... Oh, we should definitely do the movie. The movie's hilarious and wonderful. So, yeah. <laughs> I think I think we could try... We could we could maybe try and do both. Um, we, we, we'll definitely... As the movies start running out, we'll definitely have to start looking at some of these classic TV shows and, you know... <laughs> I know, you're, I know maybe you're keen for a... us to do a Lois and Clark episode. Yeah, so, just yeah. pick out some selected episodes, you know, and then... and, and and do it that way rather than let's sit down and watch X amount of seasons of a TV show. Um, so yeah, anyone else on that list? Laurie Petty, I think is an interesting one because we're not going to get to talk about her again, but <clears throat> she was, does she, does she beat Supergirl to being the first big screen solo superhero? 
or comic book lead? Not female. Like, the Supergirl came out bef- way before. Yeah, Supergirl was eighty four. Yeah, right. Yeah, but yeah. also, God, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we haven't covered Supergirl, but I think Tank Girl is a lot better than Supergirl. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that, and I think Laurie Petty's performance is singular, isn't it? Yeah. Well, like <laughs> that film would not have worked without her. It's fair to say. And it's and it, it, I think it'd be a strange one because if you look at everyone else that we've we've got in the Hall of Fame, they're all they've all got multiple. You know, Jackman's played the character what seventeen times. Uh, Sam Raimi directed two of the you know two of the biggest comic book movies ever, and you know directed two more on top of that. Um, that they, they've all done this a, a number of times whereas Laurie Petty I mean I'd be stunned at this stage if we see her in anything else <laughs> comic book movie related yeah um so this this really is her only chance so I guess the question is is this performance on its own worthy of putting her in I I, I think it might be I mean I think we should definitely put her on the short list <laughs> okay so we're, we're considering Laurie Petty are we considering Carl Urban I, he was the best thing about like, what am I talking about? He was not the best thing about Thor Ragnarok, and he no. was very good in Dread. But I yeah, think I, Carl I mean, Urban's I, I, done better performances elsewhere. Yeah, if if we were nominating him for best performer in the Star Trek remake movie, <laughs> yeah, <thing>. quite <laughs> absolutely. Um, Samuel L. Jackson, I think it might be a bit too soon for him as well. I think we're going to get some. I think next year we are due for some great Sam Jackson. Do you uh, think? In, I mean, in Glass and in Infinity War. This does make and, me wonder, but though. These are unknowns. We don't know what these Again, are like. Again, Samuel L. Jackson, mm. like good hero and good villain. Mm. Okay, we'll keep him on the short list. I think he's on the short list because yeah. I think if if, if, there's, if there's any year, and I don't think we're going to get a better Nick Fury than we've already had. Are you talking about that episode of Agents of Shield? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I mean, if, whether if we had either, also got Winter either Soldier, Avengers or Winter Soldier, this, yeah. If we'd got Winter Soldier in this year as well, then Sam Jackson would be a lock. Because listen, I, I will remind you that Captain Marvel is due to be set around the same time as Pulp Fiction was made, so we're going to get de-aged <laughs> Nick Fury. Yeah, but we're not going to get CGI Samuel L. Jackson, are we? We're going to get Ooh. recast. No, I think we're going to get CGI Sam Jackson. I hope we're going to get CGI Sam Jackson. That would I mean, be fantastic. we've had two Tony Starks. They're going to do two yeah. Nick Furies. <laughs> okay, uh, Michael Tony Rucker. Stark, sorry. Uh, oh, Howard Stark. Howard Stark. Okay, there we it. go. Thank yeah. You. Michael Rucker, Seb, I'm assuming this was your uh, nomination. Is he a contender? <laughs> well, <laughs> it was It was my way of trying to... Come on, is there... I think Michael Rucker had possibly the best moment in any comic book movie this year, which was I'm Mary Poppins, you that was very good. I don't think it's enough to get him into the Hall of Fame. No, I just wanted a chance to mention Yondu again because I know you two have, have gone off Guardians Two even more. Now, I'm 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 going to rewatch it. I'm going to rewatch it at Christmas because when I first saw it, I loved it. It just hasn't sat well with me. And um... yeah, when I first saw it, I loved it, and then I rewatched it, and I thought, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> Okay, um, so Michael Rucker probably not. Do you reckon Joss Whedon again too soon? You can't. Or? We can't put Joss Whedon in in the year of Justice League. Yeah, that's fair. And like, that is fair. Joss Whedon's still got more to come. Like, he's doing Batgirl. He's got a chance to turn it around. I think my argument for him was that what he did in the films we covered this year was to deliver us Avengers and to rescue Justice League. 
It's not that he made a brilliant film with Justice League. It's that he polished a turd to an extent. <laughs> mm. He didn't polish it enough. I was gonna um, say. <laughs> Christopher Reeve, I, I do you think do you think we we save him? I mean, he's going in here eventually, isn't he? He has to. I think if well, he goes it's, in it's it's kind next of... year, we already agreed previously yesterday slash earlier in the podcast <laughs> that his, his best, best performance is yet to come. Three. So yeah. it's way too early, right? Okay, and then Patrick Stewart. I, I I think I make the same argument that I did for Hugh Jack Hugh Jackman, which is what we've got left to come from Patrick Stewart isn't very much, and what we've had from Patrick Stewart was phenomenal. <sighs> yeah, it's tough. Is he a contender? Put him on the short. He's list. he's got to be uh, a contender because again, his best two films are X Two and Logan, and we you know we've just. I do them. feel. I do feel possibly like um, you dismissed Gal Gadot a bit quickly. I just, just think because it's, I don't it's think too... she's going to have bigger <clears throat> impact again than this year. Uh, I just think but we it's did give too her soon for it. So, yeah, I uh, think we it's. Double up, I suppose. I I and I can't imagine Gal Gadot getting less interesting with that character. As no, yeah, I mean, all, I don't, all I don't she has think to do... she's going to have as much impact uh, on things. As she has in the in the double whammy of films. No, I think I think there's there's like a, a Logan style film about Wonder Woman in Gal Gadot coming. Like I think all she well, has I think to she's do is about, knock it I think out she's the park about a to become. Times. She's about to become the center of that universe, and they're actually going to this time. You would think plan everything around her rather than yeah quickly go. Oh shit! Let's give her a bit more to do. That's my thought with Gal Gadot. Yeah. Because she just made them a truckload of money, so if they're not going to invest heavily in giving her the material to go with it, like they're idiots, and I'm not discounting okay, the fact that they might be idiots, but <laughs> I think there is better to come from from her certainly. Right, so that leaves us. Our shortlist is short. It is Laurie Petty, Samuel L. Jackson, Patrick Stewart. One of those three joins Hugh Jackman and Michael Keaton in the Hall of Fame. Okay, so my heart is with Patrick Stewart because of Star Trek. But <laughs> I mean, I would be happy with any of these three, so it's really tough. I Seb, would. Any, okay. Anyone stand out? Let's make it easier. I would put Laurie Petty and Samuel Jackson above Patrick Stewart here. Right. Okay. And I would put Laurie Petty above Samuel L. Jackson. Laurie Petty it is then. Also, so, right, I think I think we have to say that Samuel L. Jackson is going to be a future inductee. When when yeah. we know that he's finally finished with the character of Nick Fury, yeah, which again, he keeps I think, pretending to be, but we don't know. I yet, think you can but... argue that Samuel L. Jackson has better to come. Like the the Winter Soldier, probably better. We don't know what he's going to be doing in Infinity yes. War and beyond, but there's opportunities still for him to to improve hey, on what he's done. We haven't done the spirit yet. <laughs> <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Forgot it existed. Um, I think as well. I, I think if you know, if we carry on this trajectory, we're going to be adding four people next year, five people the year after that. Um, we might and, have I to mean, stop that sequence at some point. <laughs> no, it's like Richard the Herring and the Ferrero Rocher. <laughs> <laughs> it will never end. I mean, we do like basically the whole industry will soon be comic book movies. So I think it's right that we keep adding more people. Yeah, I think we're we're expanding less quickly than the comic book movie industry is yeah um hey i think we have we been recording this podcast so long that disney completed its deal with fox or that happened before we started recording? <laughs> that had happened it had happened just before, before we started yeah 
It happened uh, between us discussing it as a possibility and releasing and the episode out the show. That it, in which we yeah. discussed it. So yeah, if you want to hear what we thought about that for 45 minutes, then uh, <laughs> go back and listen to our Sky High episode, because that's probably the only yeah. reason anyone would listen to our Sky High Are you saying we should put Rupert Murdoch in the Hall of Fame? <sighs> for finally uniting the Marvel Universe. Okay, so that was the last of our, our main awards. So what we're going to do now is take a look back on some of our favourite pitches from the year. And uh, riffing on the Richard Donner, uh, Richard Lester relationship on uh, Superman 2, I want to know if you could replace the director during production of any superhero movie, who would it be and who would you replace them with? So, um, James, I'll come to you first. I would like to have like the only the only Marvel film which is an absolute undeniable duff as far as I'm concerned is The Incredible Hulk. And I love The Incredible Hulk, so I'd like to see that film done again. That said, I think there's no way to completely save that film by splicing in a new director. So the only way to do it is to take a director who could make it so insane that it would be artistically worth seeing a knackered film. Uh, so I think... I can't even remember who directed The Incredible Hulk. You're going to have to remind me. Um, Louis Leterio, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was it. So replace him with David Lynch and see what comes out. <laughs> oh, throwing David Lynch in halfway through any movie to patch something together is an attractive prospect. <laughs> well, yeah, because um, let's face it, half the time you can't even tell whether he's been directing the whole of his own film. I mean, so, and I've, I've seen David Lynch do split personality stuff before as well. Well, exactly. Like that's, yeah. you know, thematically there's a, there's a link to the text of the film. Oh, Seb, you, you, you might yeah. be in for a bit of trouble of denying James a rare victory here. <laughs> David Lynch doing The Incredible Hulk. I like that. Um, <laughs> have you got anything better in your arsenal, Seb? Well, I mean, I kind of went quite predictable, really. Um, <laughs> Did you want to replace I... Richard Lester with Richard Donner? <laughs> no, I think if we could go to Man of Steel and approximately five minutes into production replace Zack Snyder with a broom handle with an upturned bucket on its head, we would get a better movie. Oh, replace him with Gus Van Sant from James Silent Bob. James. Uh, let let anyone deny that it would have been a better movie if it was directed <laughs> by a broom handle with an upturned bucket on its head. I got a text from Reese after our award show going, Joe, how did you allow that to happen? How did you allow Man of Steel to be your worst movie? I was like, I got outvoted. And he was like, another example that democracy is wrong. Um, and I, yeah. <laughs> Team Reese on that one. Um, I yeah, be, said because you have given a James answer, I have to give the win <laughs> to James. But also James. No, to, no. Let, let's be fair. It's it's not because I gave a James answer. It's because a James gave an answer that you yes. liked, and b you like Man of Steel. I don't so like Man of Steel. I agree with my. Premise. I just don't hate it so quite as much as you do. Be, let's be fair. <laughs> but that th- that is normally. I think James's this is a fair win pitch. for James. This is not a default no, win for James. No, but it was it was a, it was a walkover victory. Uh, I'm happy well. to have it. He 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 put he put more thought into his than I did. But equally, I put more thought into mine uh... than Zack Snyder. Ah, so. <laughs> uh, you pointed at it. You walked up to it, and you. <laughs> 
And this week, um, I thought I could tie it into Judge Dredd, but uh, Carolina wasn't, uh, like, I thought, like, if I was like, which Judge Dredd comic, sh- or which uh, 2008 D character should they adapt next? Uh, might not be playing to your strengths. It's true. Uh, so I, I decided to instead lean into something that was playing to your strengths. And I thought, with this movie starring Carl Urban, it got me thinking that a lot of Star Trek actors have actually gone on to star in comic book or superhero movies. So I was thinking just particularly of the kind of new reboot generation we've also got Chris Pine in Wonder Woman we've got Zoe Saldana in Guardians of the Galaxy I even thought like we got um, uh, Professor X uh, with uh, Patrick Stewart from Next Generation Uh, so what I thought is which Star Trek actor would you like to cast in a superhero movie and who would they play so you can you can go from any generation of Trek and if you if you want to cheat a little bit and say I don't know like William Shatner in his prime should have played this character um, you're you're entirely within your rights to do that um, but Caroline we'll come to you first who from Star Trek would you like to cast in a superhero or comic book movie well, I'm actually going to uh, piggyback on your pitch from the Wonder Woman episode where you guys suggested that She-Hulk should get her own movie series, which I mm-hmm. agree with. And I think that she should be played by the one and only Jerry Ryan, who you may know as oh, Seven of yes. Nine from Voyager, who is often written off as being a character who was introduced solely for sex appeal, which, to be fair, I think that was a large part of how she was introduced. But Jerry Ryan through her like incredible acting skills took what could have just been this like sexy nothing of a character and made her i would say one of the most compelling characters in the star trek franchise i would list jerry ryan as probably one of the top five actors in the in all of trek series and i don't think she gets anywhere near the respect she deserves and like Olivia Thirlby, she like Hollywood kind of didn't know what to do with her after that. And I think it is time for the Jerry Ryan Renaissance, the Ryan Assance, and let's put her as <laughs> She Hulk. She can just be a cool warrior slash strong lady. Um, you could get maybe even make it a TV show so you really get like lots of levels from her because she can really do it all. So that is my pitch for you. Excellent. I like that. In the news this week as well, Rachel Talalay has been talking about how she wants to direct a uh, She Hulk movie in the MCU. Yes. So that. That would be absolutely perfect. And Seb, not only you've got, that, you've but, got your but, work out. Well, actually, if Caroline was to say that Rachel Talley, um should also be the director of this hypothetical film, I, I would concede the defeat now. <laughs> because reading what Rachel Talley said about why she likes the character of She-Hulk and wants to do a movie, it was like, yes, this is why She-Hulk is great and this is why they should do a She-Hulk movie. She absolutely gets that character and I really want to see that movie. It's funny, isn't it? You never know when to click on those links online because I saw today <laughs> that Pablo Schreiber had said that he'd like a crack at a character like Daredevil or Wolverine and you're like, yeah, okay, Pablo Schreiber, that's fine. You, uh, <laughs> you, uh, you carry on with your lepre- leprechaun shtick on, Amer- on American Gods now. Um, but then you see something like Rachel Talalay wants to direct She-Hulk and you're like, yeah, but I, I, but actually, yes. Yes, yeah. please do that. Um, but no, I, well, I th- I thought of... I mean, okay, this is coming a little bit from left field, but um, obviously you, you may remember back in the days of Star Trek The Next Generation, um, there was a guy, uh, he played the captain. Um, he was called Patrick Stewart. He was a British actor. <laughs> and I've always thought like that he just has this amazing resemblance to uh, a major comic book character. Um, I think it will be absolutely fantastic to to get Patrick Stewart to play um, probably the most famous bald character in comic books. Uh, of course, I th- I'm saying that Patrick Stewart should play Lex Luthor. 
<laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that. Um, <laughs> why, uh, why particularly, Seb? I do. I, I like the idea though. Because he is bald and would be a very good looking. <laughs> It would be a nice uh, little trilogy for him of these, like, I mean, I guess every role he does is mostly a bald role, but of these bald, like, <laughs> genre men, that would be a nice little capper. Okay, well, obviously Caroline wins the pitch this week. Um, yeah, because I'm, that... I'm not disputing that one. <laughs> <laughs> because Seb just basically went, he's bald. And while I did like it, it wasn't quite as well thought out as Caroline's. <laughs> and yeah, I'd, I'd watch the Jerry Ryan uh, She-Hulk movie. Um so yeah, Caroline wins the pitch this week, uh, which which goes on to James's figures, which makes the scores. We're still not counting. To we're <laughs> definitely still not counting. Pitch me the Unbreakable sequel that has nothing to do with James McAvoy. Pitch me the Unbreakable <laughs> sequel that is purely a sequel to Unbreakable. Um, and maybe this could have come out in two thousand and two. You know, a couple of years afterwards. Maybe it could be coming out now. Um, it's you're free to pick to do whatever you want with these characters. The sequel to Unbreakable without James McAvoy. What have you got for me, uh, Seb? Um, so I, I would look at the the next sort of um, well, having already established that um, having already established himself as a superhero by resolving a kidnapping case. Um, I would follow on to the next kind of um, kidnapping rescue that that David Dunn goes on after he's turned uh, Elijah into the police. Um, so he actually um, goes to Indiana um, and investigates a case where several women have been kidnapped by um, an insane <laughs> reverend and kept in an underground bunker, um, and he rescues them. And uh, and we follow um, one of the one of them the adventures of one of them as, as she tries to adjust to adult life, having been held captive since she was a teenager. She might move to New York, maybe. Um, you know, it could be a bit, maybe be a bit more light-hearted, bit of comedy potential to it. I don't know, um, but yeah. Uh, um, I mean, I I, I realise in retrospect, I teed you up for that, Seb. Uh, you did knock it out of the park. My only worry is that would mean it's not set in Philadelphia, so we're probably not getting Shyamalan back to direct. That's a good point. Which, which is an issue. Um, but yeah, I um, I do like that. <laughs> I also like how, um, like, it basically, if you switch out the word females for Bruce Willis, the the the, the <laughs> Bruce Willis is the, strong, guess. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. Um, I mean, if they can, if they can negotiate some kind of rights deal for that song for the sequel, <laughs> yeah. James, you're gonna struggle. What have you got? Um... The way I would do a sequel to Unbreakable is to go full cinematic universe on it. Um, so David Dunn meets all the characters from all of the other M. Night Shyamalan films. Like, and they form an Avengers-style team uh, with Mr. Glass putting it together for obvious reasons. <laughs> so like, they have uh, the lady from Lady in the Water. I assume there's a lady in it. I've not actually seen it. They have... Um, yeah, so it's Bri- Bryce Dallas yeah, okay. Yeah. So they have the lady... Uh, they have one of the aliens from Signs. Uh, they have Ghost they have Bruce the last Willis. Airbender. Ghost Bruce Willis. Well, you, can't, you can't have that because <laughs> of the rights problems. It's got to all, all be his original characters. Uh, they have Will Smith from After Earth because we know he's not no stranger to appearing in a bad superhero franchise. Uh, and they team up and fight some James McAvoy, I guess. You know, someone. 
No, I said James McAvoy can't well, he, be in it. That's okay, he's not. They they fight one of James McAvoy's other personalities. Yeah, who is not James McAvoy? Oh, right. Okay. Fine. I'll I'll, I'll let Michael you have Fassbender. It. Um, <laughs> are you bringing anyone anyone in for the visit? Yeah, the house from the visit. That's where they live. The the house from the visit. <laughs> I like the rapping kid in the visit. <laughs> yeah, he can be in it too. Sure, bring them all in. Yeah, yeah. He gets a poopy diaper rubbed yep. in his face. Oh, um, M. Night Shyamalan is, is in it as every character that he he's cameoed as. So he's played in all of his films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I I mean, I like that, James. Um, I mean, Seb wins. Oh, come on! Um, <laughs> I mean, mostly because... Never underestimate gonna be going for the obvious joke. <laughs> you, yeah. you already did it. <laughs> I just think going from Unbreakable to Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is going to be a, you know, a fascinating transition. <laughs> Damn it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in 2018. Goodbye. Goodbye. Criminals in this town used to believe in things. Honour, respect. Look at you. What do you believe in, huh? What do you believe in? I believe whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you stranger. Where is she? I had to do that to get into the voice. Cinematic Universe returns in 2018 with The Dark Knight. <laughs> Man, I can't wait until we all do our Bane voices. Where is she? <laughs> That's my fa- this is my favorite Christian Bale. <laughs>